$7 million or $200,000. A look at the real cost of a data breach. And hacking automobiles. What does it mean to your enterprise security? These stories and more coming up on the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. The average data breach costs companies upward of $7 million, or is it a mere $200,000? It depends on the math. For years, the research firm Poneman Institute has been widely quoted for its average data breach costs. In June, Poneman pegged the cost of an average data breach in the United States at $6.5 to $7 million. But new research published this week by the think tank the Rand Corporation estimated the cost of a typical breach at $200,000. Why the difference? Rand lists all data breaches and their costs from highest to lowest and picks the midpoint or median for its typical breach cost. Poneman, on the other hand, adds up the cost from all breaches then divides that figure by the number of organizations hacked to arrive at its figure, the mean. By using the mean, very large data breaches that cost victimized companies tens or hundreds of millions of dollars skew the average. In most breaches, victims experience significantly lower costs, often in the tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Here's Rand policy researcher Sasha Romanowski target the 300 million dollars that they're suffering from this right this is an extreme amount and there are a few others that are like that but the fact is that most companies are not target most companies are not sony and don't incur those kinds of losses it's almost worthwhile to think of them as two separate entities those very large breaches versus what most companies end up losing the rand study is based on 12,000 cyber incidents compiled by the insurance research firm advisin Romanowski says the median figure of $200,000 explains why organizations spend relatively little on cybersecurity. He estimates the typical company allots four-tenths of 1% of revenue toward cybersecurity. Data breach costs are not as onerous to organizations as those tied to fraud, for instance, which costs the typical company 5% of revenue. Likewise, theft, corruption, and bad debt cost companies much more than do data breaches. So maybe normatively we want them, you know, we just kind of want them to spend more, prioritize the cyber stuff higher, but at the end of the day, they're trying to minimize the cost and this is what they're doing. So yes, it's, it's possible that they are very rational about how they spend their money. Another reason companies don't invest more in breach prevention is that when they are breached, they don't get much pushback from their customers. If it's true that these costs aren't as high as we think they are, really what does that suggest for the, about the incentives for firms to invest? Right? We pair that up with other research that we've done that looked at consumer attitudes towards breach notifications. So we went out and asked individuals, you know, what do you think when you get this notice from a firm that tells you that they've lost your social, your medical information, you know, what do you think about that? Is that, is that good or bad? And most people don't seem all that affected. They're not typically very angry with a firm. They're at least confident in the response, the capabilities by the company and, and the notification, and they're not really that mad. And if that's true, and if the costs are so low for firms, then they don't have a lot of incentive then to beef up their investment. Though data breaches aren't having a significant impact on the bottom line, according to Romanowski's research, they are on the rise. The data Romanowski analyzed showed a nearly 300% jump in reported breaches between 2012 and 2014. The sectors with the highest number of reported hacks were finance and insurance, healthcare, and government. As I've said before, the focus on this technology will always be safety. That's U.S. Transportation Secretary Anthony Fox 
speaking about the new government policy on automated vehicles unveiled this week in Washington. The policy includes a section on vehicle cybersecurity. That section calls on manufacturers to follow a robust product development process based on a systems engineering approach to minimize risks to safety, including those due to cybersecurity threats and vulnerabilities. The policy says the process should include systematic and continuous safety risk assessment for highly automated vehicle systems. But it's not just self-driving cars that pose a cyber threat. You're about to hear a report from ISMG's Jeremy Kirk about the breach of the system installed into a Tesla car. As you listen, keep in mind that the vulnerabilities in the car's IT system, such as the way it's architected, also can apply to information systems in the enterprise. In a rainy parking lot in China, several security researchers from Tencent's Keen Security Lab had their crack at two brand new Tesla Model S sedans. They remotely turned on the car's windshield wipers, opened the trunk, and applied the brakes in a low-speed exercise. It was the first public demonstration of a hack that the researchers had privately informed Tesla about. Tesla quickly issued an over-the-air update, but the results show that automakers are still making critical security errors before putting their cars on the road. The automotive industry has been under increasing pressure to ensure their software is free of vulnerability that could jeopardize safety. Cybersecurity experts have warned for years that the increasing complication of vehicle computers combined with network connectivity poses vast new risks. It was a dramatic public demonstration of a vehicle hack that advanced those concerns. Last year, two researchers remotely triggered a 2014 Jeep Cherokee's brakes on a California highway. While the demo was lightly criticized for its possible risks to the public, it illustrated that worries about vehicle hacking were already far beyond theoretical. The Keen Lab researchers worked for several months to discover software problems that led them to control key parts of the cars. They say the vulnerabilities allowed them to access the Controller Area Network Bus, or CAN Bus, a critical unit in all vehicles that brokers signals from a variety of electronic systems. In a second demonstration against a red Model S, the researchers caused the 17-inch touchscreen tablet mounted on the dashboard and the driver's instrument cluster to become unresponsive. So what went wrong? The researchers did not provide much technical detail, but Tesla says the hack was accomplished in part by the use of the tablet's web browser while within range of a malicious Wi-Fi hotspot. After that initial close-range compromise, the researchers then maintained persistent access to the vehicle and even applied its brakes when they were 12 miles away. Once all of Tesla's cars are patched, we may learn more about the vulnerabilities. But one thing is certain, attackers were able to use a broader networking weakness to reach the car's kinetic controls through the CAN bus, which in theory should not be possible. That's the same kind of fault that affected the Jeep Cherokee. Craig Young, a cybersecurity researcher with Tripwire, says that ideally those systems should be completely isolated from one another. Tesla should be commended, however, for its quick response. Within 10 days of being notified, it had distributed an over-the-air update, showing that the findings were not taken lightly. For Information Security Media, Group. I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. 11,000 institutions in more than 200 countries use the interbank messaging software and network of the collective known as SWIFT, the member-owned Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications. SWIFT continues to make headlines from the theft of $81 million in February by ways of fraudulent SWIFT messages from the Bank of Bangladesh's account at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Since then, SWIFT is taking steps to mitigate fraud. Beginning in December, SWIFT will offer voluntary daily validation reports to customers to help financial institutions better detect attempted fraud. Data Breach Today Executive Editor Matt Schwartz has been covering SWIFT, and he joins me to discuss the latest move. Hi, Matt. Hi, Eric. First off, what is a daily validation report, and how would this help spot fraud? 
The Daily Validation Report is a new fraud-fighting feature, and it provides an out-of-band look at the transactions that have been going to or from a bank. That's going to comprise things like activity reports, what currencies and countries and counterparties, as Swift puts it, have been involved in various messages. And it's also going to look at risk via risk reports. And these are going to flag anything that's large or unusual. So in the case of Bangladesh Bank, it would be an attempt to transfer $950 million. What type of organization should benefit from receiving daily validation reports? One of the takeaways from the Bangladesh Bank hack is that a lot of the assumptions that are in place around how SWIFT is used have to do with large banks that have large security teams, a general large awareness of cybersecurity in the first place, and a large amount of funding going toward that. What the Bangladesh Bank hack and some other attack attempts have shown is that a lot of smaller banks added by SWIFT in the last 10 or 20 years have not been paying as much attention to security. While large banks could assume they were communicating with people who were who they claimed to be. When it comes to small and medium-sized banks, they may have been hacked and thus they may not be initiating or receiving the messages via Swift. For these smaller organizations, these sorts of reports should help them more quickly spot fraud even if every single one of their Swift connected systems has been hacked. Will widely distributing daily validation reports reduce fraud? Theoretically, yes. What I like about this is it is out of band. These reports could be going to anyone via any method. So for example, if you're at a small bank in a country that is not spending as much as it should be on cybersecurity, maybe you use your Gmail account to receive these SWIFT reports. Obviously, in some scenario, someone could hack everything and you still wouldn't be getting these risk reports or your daily validation. But it's not a permanent fix, but it's a quick way for SWIFT to help organizations that might not have robust security programs to keep a better eye on what's going on, more quickly spot fraud, and hopefully not be seeing these attacks that compromise and move $1 million, $2 million, $10 million, or a $1 billion. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Eric. Finally, Yahoo contends a state-sponsored actor stole information from at least a half a billion of its customers in a massive security breach of its network. Yahoo Chief Information Security Officer Bob Lord says the breach occurred in late 2014 and adds that no evidence exists that the hacker remains in its network. He says Yahoo is working closely with law enforcement on the breach. Among the customer information exposed, Names, email addresses, telephone numbers, dates of birth, hashed passwords, and in some instances, unencrypted security questions and answers. Yahoo is invalidating those unencrypted security questions and answers. Lord says Yahoo is notifying potentially affected users and urging them to promptly change their passwords and adopt alternate means of account verification. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time. (music) 